Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. Joining me in the studio today is my friend, Russell Franklin. Russell and I have known each other for a couple decades now. Hmm. He has pastored in the Jacksonville area, like myself, and we've kind of seen each other off and on through the years. And he agreed to come on the podcast, share his story, and he has made the transition recently from pastoring to counseling, biblical guidance, biblical counseling ministry. So we're going to talk about that as well, probably in a second episode. But uh, I'm so thankful that, Russell, you've agreed to come on here. Welcome to Sound of Truth. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. Been looking forward to it. Here's the usual format. We talk about your story. You share your testimony of God's working in your life. Mm -hmm. And then we'll come back for another episode. Sure focus in on what God's doing in your life right now in regard to counseling and okay. the ministry you provide. So let's go ahead and just tell me, hey, I know you're from the First Coast. Yep. You're, you, as you were sharing with me earlier, you are born in St. Augustine. Yep. 1968, uh, born in St. Augustine. Um, my dad pastored church there, and so I grew up in a, a pastor's home, uh, the youngest of four children. And uh, it was always an adventure, always an exciting time. Uh, a lot of people in and out of our house that my dad knew or his friends from, from years, a lot of folks that, you know, you might know their names, but my dad just was able to bring them into the church to preach. And it's always an exciting thing. In fact, when my ordination council or some people on my council that I just grew up with that were a part of my life as a child. So when I was ordained, my dad was very cool to find some of them that really were pivotal to me from different parts of my growing up. And so my ordination photograph is very special to see see these men and recognize the impact each one of them had. Of course, my father had the greatest of the impacts because sure. he was just a great, great man. He's 92 now. Um, he preached up until uh, full time until his mid 70s. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, in that home, of course, I grew up hearing about the Lord. And my mom was Christian, and she taught Sunday school and always involved in everything, you know, every Sunday school class, every vacation, Bible school, everything that went on at the church, we're hearing this. But when I was nine, it was a very pivotal year. I got a lot of children, nine, 10, 11 are pivotal mm-hmm. years as far as becoming a believer. And uh, we were in Alabama visiting with my grandmother, my mom's mom, as she was in really bad health and didn't know this, but she was going to die sometime after our visit. And it was really kind of a last visit. I didn't realize that because I was only nine years of age, but my mom mm-hmm. did. So we all went up to see her. But in that process of seeing her in the state she was in, it really affected me. It really caused mm-hmm. me to recognize this isn't the same vital woman that was always so strong in my life as a grandmother. Now to see her in this state really, really affected me. And having conversations with my parents about that, just really sensitive to a lot of things. My parents began to talk about the gospel with me. And in those conversations, I can't go to the exact moment or the exact time, but in those conversations, I knew that I I needed Jesus. I knew I needed a Savior. Having that tradition of growing up just wasn't enough. I needed a personal walk. I needed a personal decision that we all hear about. And so that's what happened. God used that pivotal moment of my grandmother's impending death to draw me closer to him. So I was nine years of age when that went down. And 
So it was really kind of your first taste of yeah. the reality of death and mortality. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was my first time personally. I knew people who had died, different people in the church or whatever. We've gone to funerals and things, but this was the first person that close to home had a connection, a, a real close connection with me. And so uh, in that same time period, I was having a lot of trouble at school. Okay. I was struggling. Uh, I was in the fourth grade when all that went down and, and, um, went through some tests there at the school board and they went through, I was, I was diagnosed with a learning disability and just a lot of, a lot of struggles with that numbers, math. I've never, I was never really able to keep up with, I was always a great reader, but I never was good at numbers, things of that nature. And because of that, I was held back the fourth grade and was then put into a special classes you know, learning disability classes. And that began a kind of a, so you, here you are becoming a Christian and you're walking in, you're walking in this new walk with the Lord. And then at the same time period, really just a few months later, <laughs> you're told in these tests, part of the test result was uh, I would never go to college, possibly never even graduate high school. So these are the things that began to hit you. That kind of began to struggle academically, really, for the rest of my high education and public school system. Mm-hmm. From that point on, was a pretty big struggle for me. How much of that was psychological with this new knowledge, kind of almost like being told, hey, you, this isn't your yeah. cup of tea, so to speak? I think that when a child has a label placed upon them, I began to internalize it, and I began to think that I was stupid. I began to think that I just wasn't smart Mm-hmm. And it it really aff- affected me, and not not just academically, but all around. I had a hard time j- just just making it through some of those pivotal years, and then went about. Then as we were moving out of the junior high into high school, we moved. We moved away into not too far, just a county over into Clay County, and so I began my high school years in a brand new school with brand new people. I'd grown up in the same town my entire life the same school with the same children my entire life and now <laughs> it's a whole different uh different place now did that work to your advantage were you able to kind of have a fresh start and yeah I, I did i had a fresh start um because it was a different county they didn't just put you in those classes so i was in mainstream classes so that that was that was interesting to go into some of those things let me ask you this just yeah. going back to your mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. while you're still in st augustine mm-hmm. once you kind of felt like you had that label on you yeah you're you're entering into those middle school years where kids can be extremely oh, cruel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they pick up on that? Were you kind of like, okay, they, Russell's, you know, it may be special or whatever yep, the words were yep. back then. I, I was, I they said a special learning disability was what the title SLD. Mm-hmm. And I remember some kids saying SLD, special learning dummy. Mm. And that was, wow, okay. And so those are just some of the things and other things that you hear growing up. And I already had an issue just my own self, but then you have that other other going on. And also, I would be in certain classes with other children and at that point, you know, kind of preteens, and I just didn't feel I belonged there. Some of them were progressed in some of their um, disabilities and some of their, you know, so it was like, I didn't really fit in this place. I only fit in that place. I kind of felt really like an island almost. You're in, in no man's land. Right. So going to a new place in my ninth grade year was nice because I was able to start over again. 
but I do recognize, you know, with that though, the struggles came because I was so far behind in math. I was so far behind some other things. So I struggled all the way through. And in 11th grade, I was held back again. So okay. I was, had two years that I was held back academically. At that point, I was considering dropping out of school. Were you in Orange Park or were you down Middleburg in High School? Middleburg. Yeah, okay, Middleburg. Gotcha. So it was, just, you know, it was, I mean, great school. In, in that, and here's the cool thing. So 11th grade was a struggle. Mm-hmm. In the middle of that, though, is when the Lord began to move within me. Mm. And uh, similar to my salvation, I had this distinct experience with the Lord and uh, through, through difficulty, through struggles, the death of my grandmother, and then you know now this struggle with academics and the, what am I going to do after high school? How will I live? How will I make it? Mm-hmm. It was really things that I was thinking about. But then I began to have a distinct calling. Now, up until this point, if you were to ask me, well, Russell, are you going to be like your father and be a pastor? I would say, no, there's mm-hmm. no way. Mm-hmm. Right? So that wasn't even on my mind. But when we were there in high school, a buddy of mine, we would hang out at lunch. We were Christians. Mm-hmm. We'd pray before lunch. We'd, we would actually talk about things. We brought our Bibles to school. And that was his own own source of mockery from other students, but we were really serious about it. Mm-hmm. And then one day we said, hey, why don't we start something in the mornings? So we went to our principal and asked if we could have a place to start meeting with other students and have like a prayer group mm-hmm. and Bible study. And he said, sure. So we did. And I be- we began to publicize it. We put posters up. We began to- we've had like 10, 15 students every day, every morning before school we met. And that's where I met my wife. She really? came okay. into the room. Her mother heard about it. She brought a poster or a flyer home that we were passing out. Mm-hmm. And her mom said, you should go to that. <laughs> so she did. And she walked in. And she'll tell you, my, her first look at me was, I'm teaching the gospel of John mm-hmm. as a 16-year-old mm-hmm. you know, or 17-year-old. So that was the beginning of our friendship. And then and she, through was, that, she was a believer. at the Yeah, she it, was a believer. She came in and... You know, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, not preaching, I'm teaching, uh, going through the gospel of John, walking through, and we're just, we were, we're, it was great. And then eventually, every Tuesday night, we met in her parents' home. They invited us for a Bible study, and her dad would teach it. And so there would be... But they were different church than you. Different, yeah. different church. We had different denominations, uh-huh. but it was a bunch of just high school kids gathered together for prayer, encouragement, and being in the Word together. Okay, moment of truth here. Yeah. Did you look at her and go, oh, wow, she's um, the one? Or, or I, I, I know it's young, so you're not maybe here's, thinking here, along those well, lines. Well, here's what she? I, my, my thought was, man, she is way out of my league, so why even bother? Mm. So that was sort of, <laughs> okay. that yeah. was the truth. But, but no, I wasn't really, that wasn't at that point. We didn't date in high school, but we were just really good friends. In fact, several of us, even to this day, 30-something years later, which is, I'm old, we, we still have friends that we connect with that are a part of that original group of high schoolers who met for Bible study and prayer, and we'd even share the gospel. We'd evangelize within the hallways of the school. That was the conviction I had. It was nothing that my parents told me to do. It was just something within me. And the summer after starting that fellowship, that group of people, we called ourselves His Medals Fellowship after the Rust Half Song 
his medals. Oh, the, the medals. The medals. The medals. I started to say CD, but back then I can remember it on a cassette. A cassette tape. A cassette yeah. tape. yeah, exactly. Right. So it's the Russ Taft song is my inspiration because we are his medals. Mm-hmm. So his medals fellowship was our name. We had T-shirts made and everything. It was pretty sweet. Oh, that's great. But we got together and and that, and the summer of that of that year after school year we went to camp youth camp with our church and that was when the lord just overwhelmed me with a calling to serve him mm-hmm. i won't get emotional in full-time ministry because mm. you know here's the reality is where people thought you want to amount to anything mm-hmm. you're not going to make it you won't get out of high school you you won't go to college um the lord knew different yes and so that God could take a um, person like me who was just so fed up and disheartened and struggling um, with some of those things and emotions and the labels of life, and God would say, you know, you're my child first and foremost. None of the other labels you might wear matter. In fact, yes. I'm going to remove all those labels because yes. none of them are honest. They're not true. And I, and I would say part of my counseling and part of what I do as a pastor, you know, for, for all the years that I pastored, was I wanted folks to know labels of the world, mm. they're just stickies. They come right off. They peel right off. Mm, what, what Christ places on you is permanent. Mm-hmm. And he takes away those peeled on sticks of labels, stickers of labels, and uh, – I think it's good to think about that. So then mm. I finally did graduate high school. I, my mother, well, I remember very clearly, um, graduation, a standing ovation. Um, <laughs> she knew that I could do it, you know? So we, yeah. we graduated high school. I went to college. I went to Bible, uh, Bible college in Graceville, Florida. And they even accept my GPA was horrible, mm. horrible GPA. But um, coming in and meeting with them, they saw a calling. They saw something within me beyond my grades. I was very thankful for that. And so yeah. I was able to go four years straight. I did better in college than I did in high school. My, mm. my, because I was called, I had a, a heart for it. I went from taking no algebra in high school to taking college algebra in finite math. Never had algebra. Wow. But I was just, I had tutors. I got help. I was determined. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then went on from there to seminary, uh, Southern, and and the Lord just grew me um, mm. and came out of there and began to serve churches. Um, At what point did you and Cammie so, connect then and, yeah, and get married? So it was a beautiful story. We um we were I was serving in South Georgia at First Baptist Folkestone, Georgia, and uh, which is about an hour from here. And so I began to reconnect because I'd been gone either college or seminary for seven years, other than coming home on breaks or whatnot, I was gone. So I began to reconnect with people and, and she was one of the people that I reconnected with. And she was out, she was like in the process of being out of a relationship. And so we can, we can hang out, mm-hmm. went out just as friends. It wasn't now I began to feel otherwise she did not. And then one day I actually on the phone said to her, because I was an hour away, so we were talking. I said, I'm beginning to have feelings for you. Mm. And her response was, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I began to pray, Lord, do one of two things, change my feelings or change hers. Right. <laughs> so something's got to get right. And the Lord answered your prayer. The Lord answered my prayer. I had a disciple now weekend, and I asked her to come and be one of the leaders for the girls into the weekend. And she came. 
and I was working with the youth, working with parents and the leaders. I was over it, getting everything organized. And she'll say that she saw me in my element and her heart changed. Mm. She saw me interacting with the students and then living out my calling and teaching and sharing and loving them and um, working with the leaders that were coming in to work with the other groups of, of the house groups. And uh, we began to date mm-hmm. after that. And we dated for four months and I proposed. Oh, so when wow. you know, you know. That's right. right. I'm not going to sit here and prolong this. And we're engaged for a year, but mm-hmm. uh, which was good. It was, it was a long year. We were engaged for a year. Um, but we, four months, I, I knew um, mm-hmm. that was it. But she, we were married, and she was, my goodness, she was the best youth pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. She loved those girls. She um, ministered to them every uh, until until she was had children. We had, we had our first child. She, you know, she was everywhere with me. Every retreat, every mm-hmm. youth camp, every mission trip, she was there, and it meant a lot to me to to have her. Yeah, not just not just for that, but all around we were we were just made for each other That's and great. we knew that but we go way back we were friends for 10 years before i asked her to marry me oh wow so a 10-year friendship that was and that was a, that was the risk when you start loving someone differently that's been a friend now they're you're looking romantically there's that risk will the friendship be ups be ruined if you things don't work out mm-hmm. but we knew that god god was changing that yeah so it all we're still best friends well, thanks for sharing your story. I want to just one more. We got time for we're almost yeah. out of time here, but uh, uh, one more little thing I want to just kind of ask or point out. What I didn't hear in all that, and I think you might be the first PK that's yeah. preacher's kid that I've had on the podcast. I may be wrong about that, but huh. right now I'm not remembering a, another PK. You know, PKs have a reputation, yeah, and and they're oftentimes either great stellar kids or they really oh, yeah. rebel and go the other direction. I never heard anything about rebellion. Well, in there. I never rebelled. I was mischievous. I was a problem maker. I was I was getting in trouble. But when it comes to the Lord, I didn't rebel because the struggles of life to me were, were, were tethered to my faith. And I could not because he Jesus became my rock in all those struggles, mm-hmm. I couldn't rebel against that. Yeah. I I, I could not see myself um and it, it doesn't hurt when your father actually lives the way he, you know, he's not. He wasn't a hypocrite. No, he wasn't yeah. two different people. Uh, and I never saw that with him, you know. Now, he's old school pastor. Yeah. Old school pastor. But I didn't see, you know, he wasn't coming home and, you know, cussing us out. and He wasn't one guy and on then Sunday, going to church and guy at home. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Yeah. He was always a kind-hearted, very gentle-hearted person That's towards wonderful. us. and real sweet i will say one story if you want to hear it sure. um, well so um because i lived in st augustine we lived on master's drive which is you know not really not in the historical time but it was, it was a few miles away so buddies of mine would get on our bikes and we would go to st augustine with none of our parents knowledge so we're downtown st augustine so we were just riding around and we started playing ships so punch and john we're 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 children of the 70s early 80s the, the television show the television for our younger show, listeners, uh, motorcycle cops and in california so yep. we're we're going down the streets of downtown st augustine crossing over where the touristy section is now parts of st george street back in those days you could drive on you drove part of the way then you had to turn off mm-hmm. then it was just pedestrian now mm-hmm. it's all pedestrian right so we're crossing over a section that used to be where you could drive on. And so I'm first, 
I'm the bad guy and Ponch and John are chasing me. <laughs> and as I'm crossing over St. George Street, I'm hit by a tourist train. Oh, no. Now, this is one of the red ones. So there's the green yeah, one and the, the red trolleys. one. The trolley. So yeah. the, the red train is probably going three miles an hour. But right, it, hits, it, it runs right into the, into my side, and I, and I fall. And the police were called, and oh, no. and they come, and they call my father and my mother, and they put my bicycle in the trunk of the police car. I'm in the police car being driven home, <laughs> and I'm and, and it's just one of those horrible situations. And so uh, we pull into the front driveway of the house, and both my parents are standing there with their arms folded, and I'm like, uh, I'm literally saying, can I just stay in here with you? Yeah, I'm safer in here. <laughs> but that's just one of many stories yeah. of my childhood. Oh, that's great. That's good. <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing your story, Russell. I want to encourage you to our listeners, that is, to tune in again. We're going to have Russell back for another episode in which he shares about this counseling ministry he's now a part of. So, Russell, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. You are welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2023.